Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. The Word. Father, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost that is in us to teach us, to instruct us. Thank you, Father God, because I'm anointed to teach and your people are anointed to receive. I pray that this morning we'll be strengthened with might in the inner man and that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we started talking about how to judge prophecies. So I'm going to quickly run through it, but make sure you get last Sunday's message. But I'm going to quickly run through it and then we get into what we're dealing with today. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 20 to 21, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 20 to 21, if we start reading from verse 19, it says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. So you find... The first thing it says, do not quench the spirit. That means don't come to a place in your life where you say, well, prophecy, no, I'm not into that. I'm just into the word. No, it says, don't quench the spirit. Don't put the spirit off. And then, do not despise prophecy. Do not, when the prophetic words come, don't say, oh, no, I'm not sure that's true. Don't despise it. What's the balance? It says, test all things. Test all things. And hold fast to what is good. That word test, I think in the kingdom version reads, prove all things. Test it. So there is nothing wrong with testing prophecies. You should put them to test. You know, you should not just accept them hook, line and sink and say, well, that powerful man of God said it, then it must be true. No, he can be wrong. And Paul clearly says that there must be order in prophetic words. And prophecies can be judged. 1 Corinthians 14.29 1 Corinthians 14.29 So, I'm just trying to do a bit of summary to get us into where we are. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 29 It says, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. So, if we are in a service and one prophet speaks the word of the Lord, another prophet speaks the word of the Lord, then the third prophet can judge. So there's nothing wrong with judging prophecies. That's very important. That's very important. There's nothing wrong with judging prophecies. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 21, Peter talks about the account of the mount, uh, that happened in Mount, the transfiguration. That's in Matthew 17, 1 and 9. And Peter says that despite all of this, we have a more sure word of prophecy. What's that more sure word of prophecy? Revelation chapter 19 verse 10. The spirit of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So prophecies can be judged and should be judged. That is very crucial. They can, they should. The Bible recommends that a prophetic word should be judged. Now, I went on to say that the source of prophecy is more important than the accuracy of prophecy. Acts chapter 16, remember the story? Do you remember the story? At least, if you didn't remember, if you were in church on Sunday, you should remember. Okay, Acts chapter 16, 
Come on now, let's go here. Uh, verse 16 to 19. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 19. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought our masters much profit by fortune telling. Okay, so divination brings fortune telling. Well, I'll say this now. I'll say this now. The Lord proved me wrong last Sunday. I made a statement on Sunday, so I, I, should, I should correct it. You know, I said that when you are in a service where there are a lot of prophetic and spiritual flow, you understand that it's easy to leave the service and just hand the man of God an offering and just say, you blessed my life. You remember I said that on Sunday? Okay, but I also said that, you know, when you are in a teaching ministry, those things are rare. You know, and funny enough, on Sunday when we finished service, someone met us and handed us a very generous gift. Amen? So I wasn't too correct on Sunday. So that should happen every Sunday. Praise the name of the Lord. I just said that. Let's go on now. So divination brings prophets. Verse 17. This girl followed Paul in us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. The question I ask you, what this girl said, was it wrong? Come on now, was it wrong? Was it right? It was, okay, no, let's, let's put it here. Was it accurate? It was accurate. In fact, she was helping to promote their ministry. Praise God. Okay, but look at what Paul says. And this she did for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirits, Small s, remember I told you the difference between capital S and small s on Sunday. Small s is the human spirit. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw their hope of profit. So the spirit of divination grows with profit. Are you following what I'm saying? And it was at this point I made that statement on Sunday. If I come to church now, and I'll tell you the color of your car, the color of your phone number, and I'll tell you all of those things, you'll be so dazed. Amen. The money is going to flow willingly. Prophet's offering is going to go on the rise. But look at this now. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace by the authorities. They got angry with Paul. Because now Paul has shut down their business. Are you following what I'm saying now? So, the fact that the prophecy is pinpoint does not mean it is correct. You have to check the source. Praise God. Okay. I know you have not visited Babalao before, I'm assuming. And I haven't also. But we've watched it in films, right? When you go meet the native doctor and he's telling you, oh, this and this and this and this. And it's accurate. But that doesn't mean it's a prophetic word. You cannot say, oh, oh, prophets, I respect you. Well, you but you don't. So, the, the, what I just want you to see through what I've shared with you is to demystify the fact that it's a prophetic word, then you just accept it. You have to judge it. Even if it is correct, that's where people miss it. Where people miss it is when they say, ah, but it's correct. Ah, he even told me things I don't know. Yes, it can be by the spirit of divination. Now, this is the balance. Can God do that also? Absolutely. There would be no fake if there was no genuine. Do you understand that? So, it doesn't also mean that somebody who tells you something accurate is not from God. That is why we must do what? We must judge. Because if, it were, if there was no truth, there would not be fake. 
Are you following what I'm saying now? Okay. Jeremiah 14 verse 14. I took time to explain this on Sunday. I want to explain it again and then we move on to how to judge prophecies. Jeremiah chapter 14 and verse 14. And I like this one because this one is very, very tricky. In a sense that you have to be really uh, matured in the spirit to pick this up. Jeremiah chapter 14 and verse 14. And the Lord said to me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. And I, some people teach it, but I don't really teach that and I don't believe that. That you can give a prophetic word at will. You know, you know, some people just say, can I prophesy? Can I prophesy? Say, man of God, go deeper, prophesy. And then he starts prophesying. And then he can do something and say, can I, can I, can I? And they say, yes, you can, yes, you can. And then, you know, these things are the gifts of the spirits. So, I, because what I believe is that if you, if you can prophesy at will, by your own human will, you will, it means it's something you can turn on and off. But right here, he says, I have not sent them. I have not commanded them. I have not spoken to them. And yet they prophesy. So this tells me that for us to give a prophetic word, the Lord has to either command us, speak to us, or send us. So that means the prerogative is on Him. Are you following what I'm saying now? Okay. Then He said, To your false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and this is the, the emphasis, and what? The deceit of their hearts. And I said this on Sunday when I mentioned that, for instance, if I come to this row now, and I look at my brother there, well-dressed, properly dressed, it's easy for me to look at him and say, well, God wants to make you a millionaire and just use you to bless the nations. Why? Because if I'm covetous in my heart, I'm going to prophesy to him the deceit of my heart. The deception in my heart is going to generate those words. Okay. You're looking at me very cold this morning. Let's try it this way. Have you been in a service where someone said God told him that there were going to be five people to give one one million? Have you been in that service? And the five people did not show up. Okay, you have been in the service and the five people showed up. Have you been in a service where a man of God says, so-so number is going to go, give so-so amount. And everybody was detained until that amount was generated. Have you heard those kind of cases? The question is, if God said there were five people who were going to give five million, then the five people should be in the church with the five million. So what happened? The deceit of the heart. So it's easy for you to say, God said. I'll give you another example. Maybe you haven't been in those kind of services. Have you ever loved someone, you wanted to marry them, and anytime you are in the dream, you are always in the rain, rain is beating you, and they are the only ones bringing umbrella. And you feel, well, the fact that they brought umbrella, they are the only ones covering you. And then maybe something happened, and you didn't end up marrying them again. And you thought God said. Come on now. Do I have real people here, or you are all perfect? You've never missed God in your life, are you? You are more righteous than I am. <laughs> you understand that? So the deceit of our heart can generate prophetic words. Are you following what I'm saying? So let me give you another example that happens to ministers a lot. If I think pastoring a church in Abuja, I would have a lot of senators, 
more money will come. Or in Lagos, or in Port Harcourt. You know what is going to happen? After a while, I will begin to get prophetic words that say, My son, your time is up. It's time to go to the capital city to release the capital word. You understand that? Why? My heart. That's why one of the best things to do is come before God with a plain heart. Let your motives be pure. If your motives are pure, you will get God's genuine direction. You come to God and say, God, see, if you say yes to this, I'll follow. If you say no, I'll follow. Whatever you say, I'm going to follow. You will get very genuine, clear words from God. Because the scripture says in the book of Ezekiel, I will answer them according to the idols of their hearts. You follow that? Come on, do you follow that? Alright, so, we talked about all of that and... Um, Right now. We also talked about the fact that a man can miss God. And we read first Samuel. When uh, Samuel, Samuel was a prophet that grew up in the temple. He didn't stay in his house. He was sleeping by the ark. In fact, when the presence of God was to leave Israel, he was the one God spoke to. So, I mean, his words never fell to the ground. He was God's man. But when it was time to anoint David as king, the scripture says he went and saw Eliab and said, Hey, surely... This is the Lord's anointed. And I said on Sunday, the word surely means this is true. You can't change it. Verily, verily, surely. And the Lord says, hey, I rejected him. Samuel? So Samuel missed God. If God had not intervened, Samuel the mighty prophet would have ordained a wrong king for Israel. So I'd like to say this. That no matter how powerful a man of God is, he's still a man. I said, no matter how powerful a man of God is, he's still what? He's still a man. And we must not build ourselves as if we cannot miss it. That's the problem. Let me explain to you. If you're a minister of the gospel, have a genuine heart. There's something about David. You, do you know why God loved David? David committed some of the most... He knew crimes in scriptures. But David had a heart that was pure towards God. His heart was pure. When he missed it, he went back to God and said, God, I missed it. He didn't try to pretend like, oh, no. And that's what God looks for. God looks for that purity of heart. That even when we make mistakes, he looks at your heart. And if he sees your heart as pure, what happens? He releases grace to you. So even if a, a, a somebody gives a prophetic word, which is wrong, and I gave you an example. There was a time I was giving a word of knowledge and I met a guy. I said, I see this around you. Is it true? And the guy said, no, it's wrong. Okay, fine. It's wrong. Let's move on. Next person. You don't try to now make the guy feel like, no, check. Check. <laughs> There's no need to check. It's wrong. It's wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? In an attempt, that's why Saul lost the throne. What did Saul say? Saul says, honor me before the people. So, you give a prophetic word and it's wrong, and then you look that there are live cameras on you, you now try to make the person, you know, try by all means to make sure it's correct. You say, oh, I see two cows around you. You say, oh, no, I'm not a farmer. How many children you have? Two, and that's what I'm saying. Cow, cow in the spirit means children. No, you, you just got it wrong. Just move on. So, uh, and then, I also think that prophetic words, we'll get into that. There should be maturity in handling prophetic words. Not everything should be on live television. Especially when you're talking to people's personal life. 
There is discretion in ministry which comes from maturity. Not, see, I always make this statement. If it's about Jesus, it's not about us. If it's about us, it's not about Him. We do not attempt to validate our ministry by the accuracy of a prophetic word. So I give a prophetic word and then I turn to you and say, is it true? Say yes. Is it true? Say, I tell them it is true. There's no need. Something is wrong. That itself shows me the fruits of your ministry. How many of you know that when Jesus performs some miracles, he says, don't go and tell anybody. Just go back home. Do we still do that today? Absolutely no. We even teach people that if they don't share their testimonies, they will lose their miracle. That's wrong. That's wrong. It's not scriptural. Because if it was scriptural, Jesus would not tell people, don't tell anyone. See, no matter how powerful a man of God is, Jesus is our model. One of the things we have lost in Christianity is to be secret, to be discreet. We have got into this thing of show the world what we are doing. Show in, as if the more we show the world, the more the world will honor us. But it's a lie. We are playing this game on their own rules. There's something about secret giving, even in Christianity, that we've lost the touch of. So you see somebody say, all oh, the titles come forward. All the first fruiters come to the left. Those with 1,000 here, the poor, you are your own. Stay there. These are the people that matter to God. And you hear somebody say, I don't have money. That's why I didn't go to church. I don't have shirts. That's why I didn't go to church. And it's, you don't blame them. It's the way we set up the system. James even said it. That you see someone who is well-dressed. He said, come, sit, sit, sit at my right hand. That's why God knows can walk straight into our church and they come straight to the pulpit. And there will be guys in the ministries who have said for 30 years, faithful years, faithfully, they have never received an offering. And a, a governor comes, he's made a deacon. Are you following this? And if we don't, if we don't, and that's why you see, by the time you, that's why some political um, people don't respect pastors, because every pastor that goes to prophesy to them tells them they will win the election. You are God's man for the hour. And then they give them Ghana must go, go in deceit of their heart. And then everybody fails the election. And then elections that are clearly rigged, even the animals in the country know that, ah, this election was rigged. You know, do you understand that? The, the animals are aware that this election was not true. Then you open your church and say, let them come and do thanksgiving. Who are they thanking? The youths that rigged for them. And, it, and, and you see, when we talk about corruption, it's not a mystery. Because by the time we open up and we say, come and thank God, what have we done? We have endorsed them. We have said everything you did was right. Are you following what I'm saying? And this thing starts from our own personal life. Okay, I don't want to go there. Uh, so where are we? What was I saying before I started telling you all these stories? Okay, first time we're sitting. Thank you. My church likes stories. It just comes out of me. Okay. First Corinthians 14.3. Alright, now let's go here. First Corinthians 14.3. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification. So, prophetic word must edify. What does the word edify mean? Okodomia. It means to build up. Must build you up. A prophetic word must build you up. Prophetic words do not condemn. They build up. You see, there's something about the life of Jesus. You remember the, the, the Samaritan woman, right? John chapter 4. When he was talking to the Samaritan woman, Jesus did not say, Hey! 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 I see four. 
four, four men, four men. No. It was just conversation. Even when the woman said, oh no, he says, you're right. Conversation. And when the disciples came, Jesus did not say, ask her what I saw about her. Tell them, tell them. No. Then when the, Samari- the, Sam- uh, the Samarians came to meet Jesus, Jesus did not use her testimony to preach. Jesus did not say, come and share the testimony of what I told you. All those things are human validation. Let me tell you something. If God does not validate you, no matter what you do on the earth, you are not validated. The scripture clearly tells us, seek not the honor that comes from men. And Jesus handled that very, very, very maturely. Look at how, uh, was that? Nathan, was it Nathan? Give the word to David about Uriah. Just gave a parable. A man had one sheep and all that and all that. And David said, ah, that man will be destroyed. And now they say, you're the man. He didn't start shouting from outside, David, God has shown me, you are finished. You are gone. No. Even when God was speaking harshly against the children of Israel, he always gave them a redemptive opening. I'll do this to you, I'll do this to you, I'll do this to you, but if you would repent, I'll restore you. If you would repent, do you understand? There is no prophecy that is a final damnation. God builds up, God does not condemn. A prophetic word must build up, must exalt, or it must comfort. These are the three um, attributes or framework of a prophetic word. Edification, exhortation, and what? And comfort. There is no prophetic word that will come and say, they are about to kill you. <laughs> Does that edify? Does that comfort? Does it? Somebody say, well, but the Lord can, can release warnings. Yes. If he's releasing warnings, he's going to give you a way out. Are you following what I'm saying? When the prophetic word was given about the famine in Jerusalem, what happened? The church began to gather relief materials. Do you understand? There was a warning and then there was a positive response to bring comfort to those people during famine. So I'll tell you this and listen to me. No matter how you argue it, I'm the one that have the mic now. You have to believe what I'm saying. (laughs) Don't judge this one. Just believe it. A man cannot say God showed him that the plane is going to crash and 300 people died and he uses that to validate that he's a true prophet. I don't believe it. If the Lord shows you that, it's because he believes that we can avert it and bring comfort. You only say that man is a true prophet because your brother is not on that plane. You only say that man is a true prophet because his child is not on that plane. If he had a relative on that plane, he will never think. Listen, that is a total misrepresentation of God and it's an abomination. It shows God as wicked, I mean, weak, that wicked, capital W, underlined, bold, highlighted, engraved. That's not the God we serve. I said that's not the God we serve. So accuracy does not mean it's from God. If you had a family member in that plane, you will never believe that that was a prophet of God. You will never believe you know, so when your heart becomes callous towards other people's deaths to justify your accuracy, you are not of God. 
No, you can't be of God. You know, it's easy when we are not there. It's easy. But when you, if you put yourself in that position, you will know that that can't be God. God is a merciful God. He even causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. That's why these killing prayers we are praying in church, what the enemy has succeeded to use those prayers to do is to harden the heart of compassion. So we are no longer compassionate. We do not have the tender heart of the Father towards people. We don't care if people die. Absolutely. Oh no, we don't care. As far as our aim is justified, we don't care. And you know what, what happens? After a while, you will become wicked. Your heart will become wicked. Do you know that God does not want sinners to perish? Hey, now, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I don't want to believe <laughs> that you think God wants sinners to perish. Do you know if it was in our days, Apostle Paul would not have made it? Ah, no, 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 no. Somebody who was seizing and killing Christians. Ah! His death would be the validation that we have been released by God to rescue people. Say, that man called Saul. I give him four days for him to know that God is God. God said, I won't kill him. That man is more beneficial to me than you. And that guy got born again and wrote to third of the New Testament. I know what Paul says. Paul starts writing and says, I've been called from my mother's womb. He understood the reality of the new creation. That all things were passed away and all things had become new. And God used him to preach the message that apart from Jesus, none of the apostles preached. Even Peter says, Paul's writing, I had to understand. You know what that shows us about our God? He's a gracious God. He, he, God will not only give you a second chance. He'll give you chances until you get it right. Because God's ultimate intention is for you to get it right. Are you following this? So the heart of God, why am I describing all of this? The heart of God must come out in prophetic words. So even if the Lord shows you someone who is a prostitute, His aim is not for you to go and say, Hey, thou prostitutes! <laughs> Toss here the Lord! You are finished. No. No. And not everything the Lord shows you must be said. Don't be a talkative. Some things the Lord shows you are for intercession and prayers until restoration comes. Do you understand this? Okay. Then I, I think I'm going to spend some time to talk about dreams and visions. You know, because sometimes people also talk about dreams and visions. You know, I saw this person's face in my dream. I saw this person's face in my dream. You can see anybody's face in your dream. Dreams can be used by God to direct us, but dreams are not valid means of God's instruction. That's very important. And dreams can come from several sources. I'll just tell you quickly one. There was a time, uh, who was our coach then? Luz Van Gaal. You know, when he was playing ball from the left to the right, from the left to the right. Manchester United coach. One particular match, I don't remember, maybe West Ham or something. I'm, I'm sure that club hadn't beaten Manchester United in like 50 years or something. And they broke that record that day. I was so angry. Because the match was, you know, match you just say, ah, at least. So that night I was in a dream. So I went to Carrington where Manchester United trained. Then Rooney was the captain. And I spoke seriously to him. I said, they should take me to Luz Van Gaal's office. I went to his office and shouted for the man in my dream. 
I don't have a UK visa. I've been denied two times. I've never been to UK. If you take me there, I don't know where the place is. Was it God that was speaking to me? I was angry that we lost the match. So, when I went to bed, your spirit does not sleep. Your mind does not sleep. So, your mind continues the activity. Some of you that are eating in the dream, it is hunger. You are hungry. That is the only valid realm where you can see free food without pain. You can eat in any restaurant and walk away. Nobody will arrest you. So, your spirit just waits till you are asleep. And just enter. Every night I'm eating. Every night I'm eating. You are hungry. You are hungry. You know that people who are well fed, they don't eat in the dream. They go and play golf. and go. You know, you, some of you that you go and say, ah, they are drawing me dead. You are owing people. They have, they, you, are, you are indebted. So even your spirit now, they are trying to collect the money. If they can take small from your spirit, then you can pay the balance. That they were pressing me. You look at your pillow. It's, uh, it's stronger than the stone Jacob laid his head on. When he says, I know God is in this place and I know it not. Why will they not press you? Go and buy a new pillow. And, you know, sometimes poverty can generate dreams. You understand? You are sleeping. A frog is crying at your back. You, you just say, in the night, I was just hearing one sound. I will, it's frog. It's not demons. It's just frog. So, sometimes you have to understand, is this God speaking? Or is it my circumstance? Are you following what I'm saying? You can't live in a dirty house and not be seeing demons every night. It's, it, that's where they live. It, it, you know, because we have made Christianity almost like we are senseless. You understand? It's almost like being a Christian, there's no brain anymore. You just believe anything. You see war gecko, you run. <laughs> you know, uh, something funny happened. I, I pray I have his permission to share it. it one of our brothers called me. We went somewhere. And he, he found something on, on, in his house. And he said, oh, pastor, I think I found a sham in, your, in, in the house. I said, okay, no problem. So I wanted to call the administrator to go. His line wasn't going. So I went to the house. I picked the thing and put it in my pocket. I said, okay, let's pray and let's go. I just prayed for his sake. You know, put it in my pocket, went, kept it in the shop. I said, oh, there's nothing there. There's, nothing, there's no need for oil. <laughs> I have my hand. There's no need. I mean, there's nothing. It was not even a prayer point. Are you following what I'm saying? I know some of you are. Yeah, Jesus. Jesus. That's the problem. Did Jesus say all power in heaven and earth is given to me? No, come on. Did Jesus say all power in heaven and earth is given to me? Do you believe that? Then it should affect your actions. If you believe that. It should affect your actions. It should affect... Now... I'm not losing my point. I'm going somewhere. It should affect the way you receive prophecies. So if someone comes and says, they are ganging up to kill you. No, the Bible says all power in heaven and on earth belongs to God. So nobody has the power to kill me. Does that solve that prophetic word? It solves it. There's no like, oh, what are we going to do? No, we're, going, we're not going to do anything. We're going to believe the word. So I was in a meeting. And there was this guy who was giving prophetic word, absolutely not from God, on everybody. He came to where I am. Man of God, can I speak into your life? No. God is showing me some things to tell you. I don't want to know. Why? You can't see someone prophesying absolutely false prophetic words and you just open your heart and your spirit. 
And you'll say, oh daddy, oh daddy, oh daddy. No, no information leaves you the same. Even if you feel, I'm very mature and you have heard it. As you are going, you just misplace your money. Your mind will just say, you remember they said they are after you. They are after you. And you know what's going to happen? You are not going to try and add things together. Do you, have you, do you understand what I'm saying? You're not going, hey, when I was small, I remembered. When everybody had trousers, I had shorts. Ah, that's when they started. You're not going to write another history that is contrary to God's word. The scripture tells us clearly that all the handwriting against us have been nailed to the cross. And it says, stand first in the liberty that Christ has made you free. Praise the name of the Lord. So how do we judge prophecies? Number one, it must line up with the word. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. the, The spoken word of God cannot be different from the written word of God. God's prophetic word must line up with uh, the the written word. Then we talked about the fruit of the prophetic words. What's the fruit of the prophetic word? The character of the person bringing it. So you can't see somebody who does the gospel for covetousness bringing forth a prophetic word and you expect that the word is going to be, 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 uh, be accurate or somebody who isn't living a right life. Okay? Now... I'll just give you four more points here, or five. Proverbs 24, verse 6, talks about the multitude of counselors. So, when you receive a prophetic word, get wise counsel, especially on directional prophecies. Take the word to trusted people and say, this is what I I got. What do you think about it? Any prophetic word that comes to you and says, you see, this is just between me and you, or it's just between God and you. No. Any word that comes forth, you can ask people about it. This is what I heard. What do you think? Ask your mentors, ask your pastors. Sometimes God brings a prophetic word and you have to uh, be careful about seeking advice on how that word, you know, will come to pass or how that word came. There's nothing wrong with bringing out the word and say, hey, this is what I got, let's look at it. Three prophetic words you must be very careful of. And people, the, the truth of the matter is that people are not taught. That's, that's the problem. Even people who say they are prophets, they, they've not been taught. You hear somebody say, I've been a prophet from my mother's womb. <laughs> you know, when Paul was called, even though he went to, to Arabia, he had to go meet the apostles in Jerusalem. You understand? And walked in company with them. You cannot have a man of God who is a lone ranger. A, a lone ranger. You're just on your own. And the only people who are walking with you are those you have trained. You can train people in error. Even Samuel, in his days, they had the school of the prophets. Because people had to be trained. Let me give you, if you were properly trained as a minister, there are three words you never give directly. Number one, prophetic words on marriage, prophetic words on death, and prophetic words on birth. These three areas are very sensitive. You have to be 120% sure that is God speaking to you on these three areas. I told you an example on Sunday. I went with my dad somewhere to one of our members' house here. He finished praying. The wife was to give birth. When we were leaving, my dad told me, the, the guy's going to give birth. He's going to be a boy. And truly, when the child came, it was a boy. Now, he didn't, have to, he didn't have to do that to prove that he was a man of God. He didn't even tell the person. Because such words you have to be 100% sure. Because I'll tell you something. If you miss it, you go meet somebody and say, Where as I was praying? Ah, I saw that you're having a boy. And maybe you miss it. 
and the, the wife gives birth to a girl. You are in trouble. Not you. The marriage. Every, do you understand? But God said, did they change the baby? Is this pregnancy my own? Who is this? Where come I die from? King James English will fly left, right and center. And you, can you miss it? Yes, you can. Or you go tell somebody, this is the person the Lord says you should marry. And then trouble arises in the marriage next time. You say, I, 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 it's not you, you are not my real plan. It's the prophet. Are you following what I'm saying? So you have to be careful, especially when you also receive directional prophecies. Especially prophecies of relocation or move your family here or go this way. You have to present them for counsel. You can't just pack your bags and disappear or change. I've, I've seen people where they, that they prophesied them into ministry. Ah, why are you still in that mechanic workshop? That call to the nations. Like I used to say, I say jokingly, everybody who is called, if you ask them, they had a dream where they were preaching in the stadium. Everybody, go and ask any young minister my age. God has showed them that they will preach in stadium. Do you know why we all see that dream, including me? I don't see it anymore now, but <laughs> I just see it early. You know why we see that? That is our symbol of success in ministry. Are you following what I'm saying? That's a symbol. That the stadium is packed full. Ah, you have made it as a minister. Nobody, very few people see themselves in the bush. Because it's not a symbol of success. So, those dreams are coming from our hearts. And you know, if you don't design those things properly, you can be in a rat race. Just pursuing something that does not exist. Does God want us to fill stadiums with the gospel? Yes. But the honest truth is not everybody will do that. Praise the name of the Lord. The next one is, does it produce peace? Colossians chapter 3 verse 15. I like the way the Amplified Version says. It says, the peace of God must be the umpire that guards your heart. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15. Every prophetic word must produce peace. 3.15. And let the peace of God rule. Be like an umpire in your heart. To which also you are called in one body and be thankful. Now let me explain this. Because some people feel that peace... um, Okay, let me put it this way. God can call you to do something. And on the outside, you are agitated. Do, do, Do you get what I'm saying? But on the inside, there is an inner peace knowing this is what I should do. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. For instance, let me say... Uh, are called to ministry, are called to come into the island. On the outside, it was a lot of uncertainties. Like, we don't, we've never been there, we don't live there, we've never stayed. Crossing water was a major issue. But inside our heart, there was peace. But on the outside, we felt the agitation. Because when I say it will produce divine peace, I'm not saying you will just be fine about it. For instance, I'm giving an example. If the Lord calls you to leave your job and go become a, a pastor, maybe a full-time pastor, for instance, you're not going to just say, ah, when the Lord called me, I just felt peace, and the next day I resigned. <laughs> I will tell you to go back to work. You will feel that agitation, but deep inside of you, you just know that this is what I should do. So that peace must be there. That peace is your inner witness. That is the guidance. If something is not... How many of you have had that feeling that I can't tell it, but something is not right. I can't place it, but something is not right. And later you just find out, oh, something is not right. That's the peace of God. Now, if you have peace about that, 
regardless of what is happening on the outside, you know that God is leading you. Okay. Does it point toward Jesus and the things of God? Let's read an interesting story. Deuteronomy chapter 13 and verse 1 to 5. And I must say this, please. No New Testament, and I say it emphatically, no New Testament believer ought to be led by prophets. Every child of God ought to be led by the Spirit of God in the inward witness. Prophets can only affirm and confirm what God is already saying to you. You cannot take your direction solely from a prophet. It's not done that way. We have the Spirit of God in us that Christ Abba, Father. Prophets are not mediators between you and God. They are to equip you and teach you about the things of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter what? 13. Let's read from verse 1 to 5. If there arises among your prophets or a dreamer of dreams. Can you see that? Compares both of them. And he gives you a sign or a wonder. And the sign of the one that comes to pass, of which he spoke in you, saying, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet, or that dream of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall not walk after, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandment and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Look at this. And redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from the midst of it. The scripture calls it the evil. What does this mean? A prophet comes and gives you a prophetic word but the actions of that prophetic word leads you away from God. Now I'm going to touch some toes, but I believe this. I'm a prophet of God, and I start talking to you about miracles, and the next thing I talk to you about is a holy water. What does that do? Takes your attention from God, puts it on the water. It's enticing your heart. I know there are some of you who believe in that water more than what I'm preaching now. Say, don't worry. That's how they talk. When they are powerless. <laughs> Look at it. He said, God is testing your heart. He entices you. What is entice? To entice does not mean follow this. Gradually before you know, I remember a very funny and pathetic story. I went, to buy, I went to buy a phone with my dad. We went into the shop. There, were, there was this particular gathering. I don't want to mention the name. And um, the man said, Ah, I'm going on this final night. This final night is when they do anointing service. So the man had two Ghana must go. Those bags. With, filled with oil. So, <laughs> so my dad asked that, Do you say oil? He said, No, that he's carrying this one to the final night. That this one will last him throughout the year. Two Ghana must go. I went to one of my friend's house. They gave him consecrated oil. We had to fry egg, just two of us. He said, there's no oil in the house. I said, what of that one? He said, no, that, that is holy oil. I said, which one should we eat from? What? Which one is better? The one that is holy. 
At least we are sure this one is holy. Then oh, God, my friend, bring that in here. <laughs> you know, because of the way I, we, throughout the two weeks I stayed with him, we finished all the oil cooking. You say olive oil is even better. Go, go on to Gogo and read. Eat this thing, drink it. It's even better. Instead of putting it on our forehead, if it's inside of us, we are sure it will work faster. When I was leaving, I said, bring uh, two more. Let me pray for so at least you replace them in case your mother comes and wants to kill you. We can always anoint anything. My cloth is anointed. My wristwatch is anointed. My ring is anointed. Why? Because the anointing lives on the inside of me. They are not the things that makes it anointed. I am the one that is anointed. God has stopped living in bottles, in waters, in handkerchiefs. He now lives in people. I will live in them and dwell in them. They shall be my people and I shall be their God. When the Holy Spirit came, He says the greater one lives on the inside of us. Anything outside cannot be greater than the one on the inside. Cannot be. It doesn't matter the sign or the wonder it produces. Are you following what I'm saying now? Because I said it on Sunday and I'll say it again. Stickers are becoming objects of idolatry. And what we're doing is just promoting a man's image. If it's about him, it's not about Jesus. If it's about Jesus, it's not about him. He says, if there's a sign and a wonder, somebody gives you a prophetic word and say, you know, have you heard that? I've heard some people say that. I don't understand how it works. That this prophecy, we have to walk it. They did not ask you to bring money. They didn't ask you to bring wine. They didn't ask you to bring things. Are you, are you, are you a herbalist? They don't give you scriptures to read. They are always asking. Or you hear a prophetic word and say for this word to come to pass, you have to sow seed to tie it down. Any word you need to tie it down, won't you go away? If some of you are traveling now and you forget your bottle of oil, you will come back to carry it. Your brain will not tell you that you can die in the process of coming back to carry the bottle. You are, you are halfway in your journey. You now turn back. I met one girl one time ago. She said, she's trying to get married. She has not married. And if you just sit close to her, only voice smelling everywhere. I'm sure she has drank, she has baited, she has robbed. And I said, with the way you are smelling, it will take time. It will take time. Replace the oil with perfume. We, we, we can go faster on this process. Don't throw away your brains. Think. Even when I'm teaching you this morning, go back home and think over it. Follow the scriptures. Read the Bible. It says, stand fast in the liberty with which Christ has made you free. Why are we bringing ourselves into bondages again as Christians? Why are we putting God's people in bondage? Jesus had died. He had paid the price. That's what the word of God says. Let's stick to the word. Let's not let our poverty teach us wrong doctrines. Stick to God's word. It's as simple as that. Christianity is not difficult. Jesus had paid the price. His death, burial, and resurrection, listen to me, qualifies us for everything that is in the world. His death, burial, and resurrection qualifies us. 
Thank you. For everything in the world, you don't need to pay any price. When he said it is finished, it is finished. Absolutely. I'm going to spend time to teach on fasting because we have turned fasting to another idolatry. You've heard people say, when I fast for you, my God will answer you. Shut up. Fasting does not, listen to me, fasting does not do anything to God. It doesn't change God. God's mind is made up in Christ. What does fasting do? What does fasting do? It puts you in a position to hear God. I'm beginning to get angry. I'm on camera. You hear people say, I'm going to fast for 70 days. That's your business. I will make it 90, your problem. Let's make it 120, your wahala. So God, we have mercy on us. He has had mercy on you when Jesus paid the price. Let me ask you one question. Can you really qualify for the blessings of God? Can you? You can't. Disciples came. What shall we do that we might do the works of God? He says, believe. Just believe. Are you following this? Okay. Praise God. Does he point me to Christ? Revelation 19.10. Revelation 19.10. Does he point me to Christ? Revelation 19 verse 10. Somebody say, where about aprons and handkerchief from Paul's body was healing the sick? Okay. Absolutely. The next question I say is, how many times did you see that in the Bible? And how many times did Paul do it? Did he become a doctrine? He didn't become a doctrine. We cannot allow accidental manifestations of the Spirit become a doctrine. That's our problem. So let me give you an example. Maybe I, I just feel led in this. Well, let me not even say I feel led. I'm, I'm teaching the Word of God. And maybe some people just come, as this young brother handed me this thing. Maybe he handed me this thing. And he said, oh, pastor. As we were in this meeting, as I handed you that thing, I got a miracle. He came and he testified. You know what is going to happen? Every Sunday, people will be looking for what to pick and give to me. Then I will now start the picking of, the picking for pastor's service. We just build a shrine around that. That's where the problem is. Has God healed people through water? Absolutely. Has God healed people through handkerchief? Absolutely. Has God healed people who took where the pastor sat down and they sat down? Absolutely. Does that become a doctrine? No. Because if it becomes a doctrine, you start mystifying and human beings are very prone to what they see. Their attention leaves Jesus and start focusing on that activity. Are you following this? Revelation 19.10. What does it say? The testimony of Jesus is what? Is the spirit of what? Of prophecy. So it must align with Jesus. Let's quickly look at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. It talks about testing all spirit. Go with me to Romans. Please go with me to Romans. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. Let me go to the next point because of our time. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. Do the prophecies produce liberty or bondage? Romans 8 15. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. 
For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry what? Abba, Father. The prophecies must not lead us to bondage. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Any prophetic word that is producing fear in you is not from God. Once you hear the prophetic word, it must produce edification. Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not get tangled again with what? With a yoke of bondage. God does not want us living in fear. Any prophetic word that produces fear is not from God. For he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of boldness and what? And of sound mind. Praise the name of the Lord. Hebrews 2.15. Let's read 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2. Inasmuch then as the children are partaking of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shed in the same, that through death, thank you Jesus, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. All our lifetime we've been subject to bondage. Jesus took the price so we can be free from this. Any prophetic word that generates fear in you and brings you into bondage is not from God. Are you following this? The last one, the personal witness. 1 John 2.27 You have the anointing from the Holy One. Who teaches you all things. I want you. To. Not to despise prophecies. Not to quench the spirit. But I also want you to do what? To test all things. You must not come into bondage. You must not. It must not turn your heart away from God. And regardless of all said and done. Your eyes must be on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Listen to me, saints of God. Jesus has paid the price. This thing is a loving relationship. It's a loving relationship. Christianity is being abused. is being bastardized. We don't even know what we're doing anymore. It's time to return to the scriptures. It's time to return to the written word of God. Let's interpret the scriptures as it is. And let's leave ourselves the consequences of the truth. Praise the name of the Lord. We've had tremendous miracles happen in our meetings without anything spectacular taking place. But as the word was coming forth, the power of God was present to heal. Listen to this. God's word at head to will produce more miracles in your life than you ever imagined. Just living on the word. Just living on the word. And although testimonies are good, but some of the things that have also corrupted our perception of God is when people came and shared testimonies of how they got something quickly. And we wanted that to happen in our own life quickly. And we began to copy them instead of staying with our own paths and living our own lives and adhering to the word of God. I challenge you today. Let's return to proper interpretation of scriptures. Make it as a personal mandate. To get as many people as are free. That need to be free to be freed by this word. Share the word. Put the word out there. Support the word. Because when your relations come under the bondage of those prophetic words. You will pay for it. When they start seeing you as the one after them. (laughs) You are on fire. Homes are being torn apart. 
Relationships have been torn apart. Ministries have been torn apart. Businesses have been torn apart by challenges all over the place. But you know the funny thing? We are the ones that gives them permission to do that. We are the ones that fund them. We are the ones that support them. And I want to challenge you this morning. Never put your finances where the true gospel is not being taught. Not out of mercy, not out of compassion. Because you're funding evil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because we have to make sure that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the water covers the sea. If it's about Him, it cannot be about us. If it's about us, it cannot be about Him. We must choose on whose side we are. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's thank the Lord. Father, we just want to thank you. Lord, our hearts are open to adjustments. Our heart is open to correction. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.